Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me today is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What's going on, Cecil? Not much, Richie. How you been? Pretty good, man. I've uh, I found a better pizza, man. Uh, I've recently joined Brent Ozar Unlimited. Oh, Brent makes pizza? Like Chicago <laughs> yes. deep dish? Chicago deep dish. The best kind of pizza in the world. Sorry, New York. I love that. But uh, yeah, I've joined them as a data developer where I'm working on some of their tools on the back end. And I've had a blast so far. I am thrilled to be part of the team. Yeah, congratulations, man. That's pretty cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. What about you? How's your week been? Um, it's been pretty good. You know, the other day I was online and I actually saw that there's a new trailer out for Daredevil. The next season. Yeah. The Daredevil series that's on Netflix. And I'm really excited to see that. It looks like they have a lot of new characters coming in. It's going to be The Punisher, Elektra. So if you saw the last season, this one looks like it's going to be a lot more intense. So definitely go online and check that out. Yeah, I, I love it. It's not that cuddly Punisher that we would see in Spider-Man. But like this is like the hardcore Marvel Max imprint. Punisher, you know, shoot you in the head and keep walking, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're definitely going all in with this one. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to a Mr. Juan Soto. Juan is the president of IT Impact, a custom software consulting firm with 14 employees and a focus on access with SQL Server. He's been named an official Office Access MVP for the last five years and is a frequent author on the official Microsoft Access blog as well as the first Access Expert developer to be profiled on their site. He is the founder of Access User Groups with groups throughout the United States and the world where users go online to discuss monthly topics on Access. Juan frequently travels throughout the U.S. and the Caribbean hosting workshops and mentoring professionals in the industry. He's an avid poker player and loves to travel. You know, one of the things I was really excited to talk to uh, Juan about and why I thought uh, our listeners would really appreciate and enjoy this episode was he's an access guy, right? I, I know, and access isn't really looked on too fondly from a developer community or even from the DBA community, but he's taken his knowledge of access and built that into a firm. It's just not a one-man thing. I thought having a conversation with him about how he went about to do that would just be utterly fascinating. Yeah, well, one, I think, definitely gave us a lot of good information from the perspective of following your niche and really focusing on that to just a lot of good business tips that would be good for developers to have. And again, at the end of the day, it's it's just about the technology, right? So if your business is using Access and it's structured and it's set up correctly, you know, and it's working well for you, then, hey, why not? Right? Like, let's, let's get paid for using Access. Yep. So this episode is recorded on January 29th, 2016. And now our conversation with Juan Soto. Away from the keyboard's feature conversation. So, Juan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Give me a little bit of background information about you. Well, I'm a Microsoft Access MVP. I live in Chicago. Uh, I have a business uh, with 13 employees. Our specialty is uh, Access with SQL Server. Uh, we're known worldwide as leaders in this field. And I like to tell people is I'm not an expert in SQL Server, but I am an expert in the interactions of Access with SQL Server and optimizing that relationship. Yeah, I have three kids, all uh, boys, uh, one married, and two other who are in college level. And uh, I love to see movies. I'm a movie fan. Just... Uh, Saw the fifth wave, a little disappointed. I, I recommend people to wait until it comes to video. 
<laughs> Access is in the, I would say in in the technical realm not really that strongly looked upon. Uh, how did you kind of gravitate towards Access and really turn that into a business? You know, I think it's uh, just a question of uh, my background. I was a production manager for many years uh, in various industries, both pharmaceuticals, medical devices, and food. You know, what would happen is that as a production manager, I'd be frustrated with the ERP solutions that were designed mostly for the accounting, for the bean counters, and not for the production management team. And so I started building systems on the side that would uh, look at my production numbers and tell me where the issues we were having, which line was producing less, and which machine had uh, slower output. So I can go to the upper management and say, look, you know, I have this machine, line number three, a capper that could really benefit from a new capper. The new one costs 300000 but I should realize an efficiency increase of 20%, so it should pay off in eight months. So you need to be able to go to upper management with concrete numbers in order to justify that. Now, everybody knows that the capper in line three is a pain in the ass. <laughs> but nobody knows how much of a pain in the butt, right? So I, I put together a paradox for that uh, Windows database. But mostly, I think it's the ease of use of coding with access. I mean, before BB.net, it was basically one VBA, and BB uh, was a, BBA was a subset of VB, and then Microsoft branched out VB.net, which is a totally different animal when it comes to coding, right? It was so radical and i just never went with it i stayed with the access and the vba and and i found a really good niche market you know one thing is i don't swim with the other sharks right if i were to have a vb.net practice i'd be a hell of a lot more competition in our marketplace and so by specializing in access we really give ourselves an edge now it doesn't mean we do we don't do vb.net in fact i do have vb.net developers on staff a lot of times our clients want to develop web solutions to extend their access database to the cloud and since that data is already in the cloud with access in the front end, we can develop uh, website solutions there that really leverage. So we develop customer portals so clients can log into their to the customer's website and then see their data that's based in SQL Server. I see your access journey, and, and it actually makes makes a lot of sense. That that leap to uh, VB.net was really jarring. I mean, it's, it was a different language. The language was the same, but the whole infrastructure had essentially been ripped apart. How did you get say, hey, I I'm want to get my own deal. I want my own company. Well, so what happens is, uh, you know, the problem with that VB.net leap, well, not only was it a new language, but the plumbing got destroyed. So everything was much more more difficult, right? You couldn't you didn't drag and drop like you could in the old days. Now they've really improved the language to make it easier on the developer. But still, we're looking, when you compare .NET with Access Development, you're looking at almost twice the amount of time. I can put out an Access solution half the time, roughly, than a .NET developer could. And so uh, that's why I think Access still has a place in the marketplace. This is a rapid development tool. But uh, the way I made that leap was um, I was a production manager for a company here in Chicago and I was working second shift and they put me on third shift and then finally I got promoted to first shift. Then they made me IT manager because I was so much into uh, IT but mostly because I had uh, practice on the side, right? So I started taking care of clients since I worked on second and third shift I would have uh, some clients who would hire me and I remember starting at $15 an hour I can't remember. I thought that was the world back then we're talking about 20 years <laughs> right and so i started helping out them basically i started helping with break fix where i would fix computers i would build pcs i would go to these trade shows there was no best buy back then there was no micro center so if you wanted to buy a pc you know you would have to either do mail order there was no internet you had to do mail order or you would go to these huge swap shows and do page county here and i would you had, i would buy a table and start to sell pcs and build these pcs from scratch and so one of the advantages of i have over my colleagues is i was there when the computer revolution started 
So I've been able to keep up with the technology, both the hardware and the software sites, and I can understand the issues that companies, uh, clients face when they're dealing with servers, when they're dealing with their routers and, and Wi-Fi points and IP address schemes. I get it, as opposed to somebody who just graduated as a .NET degree, they won't have that side of the business known. It would be not as easy for them to, to keep up with it and to know it. You just would tell the client, well, get yourself a, a you know an engineer to help you out with that stuff because I have no clue what you're talking about. So I became an IT manager and I walked into my uh, boss's office and I asked him for a raise because my business was raging. It was really um, growing. And I needed to make a decision. I was a young guy 20 years ago. I was 30-something years old. And I asked him for a $5,000 raise and he turned me down. So I went back home that night and I told my wife, you know what? I, I really got to go and do my business. And she says, well, let me wait until I finish my, my master's degree, she tells me. And then you can start your business full time. So uh, six months later, she graduated with a master's degree. I went in and turned my resignation to my boss. And he says, what do you mean you're leaving? He says, well, I really, I'm a young guy and I'd like to explore these possibilities. Now is when I can. I don't have a mortgage. Kids are young and I really need to, you know, expand my business. I would love to have you as a client. Well, he said, well, I'll give you the 5000 you asked me for. I says, well, it's too late now. I already made up my mind. <laughs> you know, six months ago, if you would have given me that 5000 I would have been the happiest employee ever. But it's just too late now. But I would love to have you as a client. So what he made me do was, well, if you want to be a client, well, maybe you're a client, you have to work for three weeks here, not two weeks. But three weeks later, I walked out on Friday. On Monday, I came back in as a, as a consultant making three times as much as what I used to make. Nice. Nice. And how was that emotionally? I mean, it, it he hated seems like... seeing my guts. <laughs> <laughs> hated it, hated it. So every time he looked at me, he would growl. And, then, you know, I, everybody else, it felt like I was, I never left. They knew I was a consultant, but I still got invited to the Christmas parties and the summer parties. And, you know, it was all I had was everything but the 401k plan and insurance. But, you know, basically, I worked there for a long time. And uh, and then from there, I branched out to uh, other uh, clients. But what really took this practice off was uh, Google Advertising, Google Ad AdWords, where you can advertise your business and be able to get people to come to your website. See, prior to that, it was the Yellow Pages was all the rage, radio, TV, advertising. And people didn't get it at, at first. And that was one of the first ones to get Junkheim on board with Google AdWords. And that's when I started getting clients around uh, the U.S. with people who would, were looking for an access developer. And business started growing. I hired my first uh, person, then my second person. Then I opened an office in downtown Chicago. And I eventually grew that practice to six people. You know, and it got, uh, it ran away from me, right? I mean, I wasn't just, I wasn't ready for that kind of rapid expansion. It was like a drumbeat. Every two weeks, I had to come up with $10,000 for payroll, right? And so it was like that drumbeat, that payroll drumbeat. And one day I'm walking along, I start getting chest pains. I was admitted to the hospital. Luckily, there was no uh, heart damage or anything. I wasn't having a heart attack. It was just the stress. I told my wife, you know what? I need a break. So I, two of my employees went and started their own .NET practice. There's another thing. They were not in love with access like I was. And I think that was a major issue. So uh, none of those developers, I hired .NET developers to be access developers. And to them, that was like taking, taking a step down. And so I sold my clients to my two employees and they gave me a monthly check. And I went to do all kinds of things. I went to be a sales engineer for security, selling firewalls. And then I became the director for AFLAC for Illinois. And then I got my insurance certificate. And I'm doing all this stuff. And that was around six months into it when I get a call from my buddy all of a sudden. 
He says, hey, Juan, I need an access database. It's Wednesday. I said, I need this access database that my client can use in their uh, medical office. So uh, it was a wonderful database, but what really I loved about it, he says, I'll give you $5,000 if you can have it done by Monday. <laughs> so I had it done by Saturday, and that was really, I really that really opened an eye for me. This is what I was meant to do. This was my calling, access development. So I started my practice again. I went on my show, started advertising in Google AdWords. And I get this law firm. It was just me at that point. I get this law firm in Florida that calls me up on a Friday. I get a lot of calls on Friday, apparently. But this woman on Friday, it's a week, Memorial Day weekend. She says, hey, I saw your ad. saw your website. I need an access expert. I need you to start today. I said, well, you realize it's Friday and this is Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, but I need you to start today on this database. I says, well, okay. Well, look, today I'll charge you my regular rate. Saturday, I don't. I'll charge it. Sunday is double the amount, and Monday is triple the amount. He says, well, I'll need, a, I'll need a credit card. Sure, here it is. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I, ended up working, I ended up making lots of money that weekend. I didn't enjoy the, uh, the Memorial Day weekend, but, you know, I told my wife to go cry in her money bag. <laughs> you know, Ben was my employee number one, and Ben, uh, he's, a, he's a noted book author, Ben Clothier. He's a noted book author. Wrote the only book on SharePoint with access and existence. Brilliant guy. I mean, he knows access backwards and forwards, but he also knows .NET. He knows C Sharp. He knows Java. He just loves access. So he comes to me, applies for a position. I interview him, and uh, he had applied at other consulting practices around the U.S., and they all told him, you know, we'd love to hire you, but you have to move from Texas to where we are. So you have to move to Texas, to Seattle, to Virginia. And he didn't want to do that. So then he calls me up, and I say, yeah, you come work for me. I'll definitely uh, love to have you. I says, okay, well, I need so much money per year because I'm going to move to Chicago. So at that point, he was resigned. I said, what do you mean you're moving to Chicago? He says, no, I want to move to Chicago so that, you know, we can work together. I says, you don't need to come here. Just stay in Texas. And then I find out, see, here's the thing, his name, you get the resume, his name is Ben Clotty on the resume. When I call, a woman answered. I said, you know, I'd like to speak with Ben. Yes, this is Ben. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess Ben is a woman. I'm like, you know, that's the first. But throughout that call, I start realizing I'm talking to an interpreter. I says, wait a second. Is this an interpreter? I says, oh, yes, I'm deaf and mute. So I use an interpreter. I says, okay, all right. It turns out he's legally blind as well. So he can only see forward. He's got no peripheral division as well. But what these other companies had short-sighted him because maybe because of his physical disabilities and his, their strict policies about employees working in the office, they missed out on a huge resource. And in fact, one of the companies he applied for, I know the CEO quite well, because this is a small industry. There's not so many practices out there focused on access. He tells me, you know what? I wish I would have hired him. He says, well, he's not yours now. He's mine. <laughs> you know, and I, so I asked Ben. I said, Ben, do you know any other deaf mute people we can hire that can become, you know, there's no access? So, you know, the fact is that that's a challenge sometimes for clients, right? Because, you know, I, I warned him. I says, look, Ben, he's our, my architect. And, you know, he's, we make so much, we charge him so much an hour. And by the way, he's deaf and mute. The best way is to use Skype and, and to text him. I says, oh, okay, no problem. And some people get really happy when they hear that we provide somebody with that opportunity. But what ends up happening is as you correspond with him and chat with him on Skype, you kind of forget he's deaf and mute because he's like a normal person. He's, he's got a great sense of humor. And that comes reflected in the chat. And so, you know, I get great reviews uh, from our clients about him, that he's a great person to work with. And that really makes a big difference. And for a long time, what would happen is he actually made more money than I did in the practice <laughs> for several years because I didn't want to lose him. What I'm hearing from you is you, you really have this passion. 
where you really have this passion for this particular technology. And so you decided to focus on that, which one I think is, is a really good thing and something that I think we've spoken about a couple of times on the show is really find, find your niche, focus on it, and kind of start to build yourself on top of that. And then you also talked yes. about Google AdWords and building a website and some of these other things. And so I want to start there first. Let's say I left my job yesterday and I want to start a new entity. Let's say I wanted to do, let's say I wanted to do Excel. So you do access, I do Excel, and we kind of network, right? And we do something together. But anyway, I wanted to do Excel. How would I, how do I start? What do I find clients? How do I start marketing myself? How much, how much money should I put into Google? Right? Like, how do I start to make some of these type of decisions as I'm starting my business? Well, the first thing you have to do is do the free stuff first, I advise people, right? There's a ton of stuff you can do for free or very low cost. That's going to allow you to get the word out there, right? you got to start with a website. I mean, that's a given. You'd be surprised how many people that come across in this business, access developers, sell developers, who don't have a web property. They have, you know, they may have a blog and it's, it's not written well. And, you know, and some of them don't have a good-looking business card. I'm like, you know, you got to start with the basics. You got to get a good-looking business card that's a conversation starter. My business card looks like a uh, Windows phone. So when I give a business card to somebody, it says, here's my business card. It's a Windows phone. Don't make any calls on it. <laughs> All right? So that's a conversation starter, right? You know, you break the ice. And so, uh, you know, you, you design a great-looking business card, put some money into it, some effort into the design, and then you start a website, and then you start, you start local. You start with your core people, your friends, family, Facebook, LinkedIn people, and say, hey, I'm starting this business in Excel consultant. I appreciate any referrals. One of my specialties in Excel is to be able to do pivot table analysis so that you can quickly man manipulate the data to see the trending, right? So come up with an elevator speech, a 30-second elevator speech that will allow you to quickly understand what it is. When I first started this business, I approached my family, my wife, kids, and my friends. I said, I'm going to be an Access developer, and I would get blank stares. What the hell are you talking about, Access? What is that? You know, so then I showed them some of the solutions. I said, look, this is what I do. Oh, you can do custom invoice systems. Yes. You can do all custom order entry systems. You can do tracking for construction companies. Yes, all of that I can do. You know, so I had to do a demo. And Excel is a lot easier to sell because, of course, a lot of people know what Excel is, spreadsheets and so forth. And who couldn't use an Excel consultant at one point in their lives? But one of the one of the effects is that what I did was I would join the local chambers of commerce. You know, and I would, again, I would have the same thing. I would have blank stares. So I would go to receptionist at the chamber of commerce. Hi, I'm Juan. I joined the you know, chamber. I do access development. Blank stare. So you know what? Let's do one. Why don't we do a lunch? I like to buy you guys lunch. Let's have a pizza lunch. I want to get the staff. I want to. Be, I want the people who sign up new members. I want the director, the executive director, the, and I'll show you what is it I do. And if, sure enough, I did that, and and you could see the eyes lighten up. It says, "Oh my gosh, you can help businesses so many different ways." You know, I can. I I know right away three people could use your services, right? And so that really helped me tremendously. So I would focus on the local markets before I even hit up. Google. And, but, you know, that's going to only take you so far. So when you start into Google, you start, and one of the major problems people have at Google is they'll spend a hundred bucks and they'll give up Google quit on it. Oh, I spent a hundred dollars and didn't get one lead. Well, the fact is that you're not going to get a hundred dollars with a lead because it takes a lot more than that. Now think about this for a minute. What am I selling? Am I selling t-shirts at 15 bucks a pop? Am I selling uh, cookies or cakes? 
Am I selling something? No, I'm selling a potential solution that could cost twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars, maybe even seventy-five thousand. And so, when you took my typical deal and my typical close is five thousand to twenty-five thousand. That's the sweet spot we found. And so, when you have the potential to close a deal a month. I'm willing to spend $1,000 to $3,000 because I know for sure it's going to bring in at least $25,000 in business. That's been my trend. I spend $3,000, I get $25,000 business every month. New business. This is new business that's going to love my work and then hire me again for phase two. New features, more integrations, right? And so my, my practice starts growing, but a lot of people, they spend $100 or $200 or $500 and they stop. I says, why? Why are you stopping? First of all, you need to narrow your Google AdWords again to the local, right? So if I were to start this all over again, I would say, okay, Chicago and suburbs. I want to be number one in Chicago and suburbs. I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay $12 a click. And then people say, well, $12 a click? I'm not going to pay that. I says, why not? The average sale for an access database is anywhere between five and $25,000. you are not selling a t-shirt. And so, you know, <laughs> you got to look at it that way. And, you know, if you were an Excel consultant the same way, you're probably looking at between five and 25000 If you're a SQL Server expert, you're even looking at more money. Like, Richie, I think your expertise is SQL Server, right? SQL Server and .NET. Yeah. So, I mean, Richie, Richie has that niche with SQL Server with .NET. He probably can make it, even can probably his average uh, project could probably be in the thirty-five to $45,000 range. And you're not going to be willing to spend $3,000 a month to get at least one new client guaranteed out of Google nationwide, right? That's a nationwide campaign where we're looking at 3000 a month. It covers the entire U.S. If it's a local campaign, which is where you live, New York, L.A., Miami, major metropolitan areas, then it's, you know, you're probably spending anywhere from $1,000 or less. So it really, it really was an eye opener for me, and so I, that's why I came about when I started doing the presentation on SQL Saturdays, how to start your practice. And most of the presentations geared around AdWords, how to optimize your site for ad, for SEO, and then how to integrate AdWords into this. And so what I tell people is, you can close business in one hour, because that's what I do, right? Google AdWords will, will take you only so far. But think about it: why did they go to Google to begin with? They couldn't find anybody in their local circles that can do what they do, right? So they went to their friends and says, hey, do you do SQL Server? No. Do you do that SQL Server? No. Oh, gosh, you know, here I am. I'm in Sandusky, Ohio. And none of my friends know. Let me go to Google. And then up comes, up comes Richie's ad. SQL Server expert. But done it. Great. But, you know, behind Richie's ad, there's three more ads. Now, if Richie was the first ad, he's going to get the first call most of the, most of the time. But he don't. He doesn't know Richie from squat. So if Richie doesn't have somebody answering the phone. What are they gonna do? So Richie call Richie and says Richie's voicemail comes up. Says hi, I'm Richie. I'm the best there is with SQL Server. That day. unfortunately I'm busy right now. So leave a message. So they'll hang up and call the second guy. And that's one of the things I do. I says I have a live receptionist who's constantly answering the phone. That's all she does is schedule my appointments, schedule discovery meetings. But she answers the phone. You'd be surprised how many people tell me you were the only guy that answered. I called three people in those Google ads, and you were the only one to answer. And so I let, right away, I got a leg up in the competition, so I hired a receptionist. So that's number one. The no hurdle number one is you, they go to Google Advertising to a great-looking website, right? You have to have a great-looking website. And then once you have the great-looking website, they're going to be motivated to call you. you got to answer the phone, or if they leave a voicemail, call them right back, because otherwise they're moving on to your competition. But once you get them on the phone, how do you get them to a, agree to a $35,000 project? Because what's going to happen is Richie is going to go through a pain analysis with them. Say, you know, okay, what is the issue you're having? Oh, you know what? We have this uh, access system that we want to upsize now to SQL Server and a web solution on the web. 
So, okay, we can create a, web, that web, a website for you and a SQL Server database. That's not a problem. And you try to get into, yes, yes, I'm going to spend 35000 with you. Because you want to do a proposal and then wait for them to the proposal to realize that they don't have the budget, right? So what I do is, one of the things that seals the deal for me is I have a demo ready to go. So a lot of times people haven't never seen a professionally done access system. They just never have. What have they seen in access? They've seen what, what the guy in shipping did. He knows a little bit of access. He saw that unprofessional that interface that works right but it doesn't even take them to the next level and that's why they're calling me so what i do is i say i have them show me their screen i walk them through their pain and i said you know would you like to see a sample of our work yes so i switch the screen now i'm showing my screen i show them my demo and I, every time i blow them away let me show you how we do documents and it's an access so you can upload documents to the access database so if you have an order you can upload an email related to that order if the order is an engineering order for a shelter you can upload the, the autocad drawings so you have everything associated with that order in the document center for that order so that's a tab document center let me show you how you keep notes we notes every time an employee leaves a note they leave it we leave it with their name and their the date and time and they're protected notes so if i leave a note you can't change my note i can't change your note and on and on goes and i show him the report generator how easy it is to get reports by the time i'm done with that demo i got the email out of my hand and so then i asked him okay what is your budget and round numbers i don't need to know exactly right i want to disarm us i want to know at this point i already know how much i'm going to charge him more, more or less right is it i know is it's going to be a five thousand dollar project or is it twenty five thousand i just need to know what they think they are is there any other tips that you would have for the the starting technologist wanting to go solo? I think it's easier now than than kind of ever before. Is there anything else that would help folks like myself and Cecil start our own gigs? Yeah, I think the fact is that um, you know there's some, for example, pricing. How much do I charge? Well, pricing is a function of demand. When I first start my practice, I'm not going to have much demand, so I'm going to give you a great price per hour. Then as I get more clients then I'll, I'll be able to upside my charge because this, I have less and less capacity and more and more demand. You want to use that kind of ratio when you first start out so you can quickly load up on projects and be able to then be more discriminatory. You know, the other aspect of this is you're a one-man show. And so you have to you have to look at the big picture. And what is the big picture? The big picture is you need to sell, sell, sell. Right. And so if you get too busy, not to answer the phone, if you get too busy, you promise somebody a, a quote for today, Friday, and you just, you know, just, you just know it's not going to be till Monday. Well, that's a bad thing because you can't deliver a quote on time. How are you going to deliver a job on time? And so these are mis typical mistakes entrepreneurs make when they first start out. You know, you got to be able to focus on what's important. Now, one of the things that you'll hear sometimes is I don't want to sell too much because I don't, I just, I'm just loaded with work right now. So you literally work right now, but you never know. You might lose, you know, if you do an analysis, this is something I did with uh, my company too, I do analysis. What percent of my clients have percent of the business? So for example, if one one of your clients has 55% of your business, that's a bad thing, right? Having all your eggs in one basket. And so the fact is that when I hear consultants that say, oh yeah, I got like three clients, I says, that's a bad thing because you never know when they're going to drop you. And so you need to diversify. And so what ends up happening is you start using 1099s. Well, 1099s are great in the short term because you don't have that commitment on the payroll. So I got to come up with that 10,000 every two weeks, right? Unfortunately, they're looking at the clock. They don't have an investment in your business. They're not vested in your business. They charge you by the hour. They want to get paid. I don't care if you get paid. And when I did 1099s, I told them, you get paid when I get paid right up front. I told them, those are the terms of the job. I know it sucks, but that's the way I, where they do my 1099s. You know, we all start with 1099s. I started with 1099s too, and then I became, I started to do full-time employees. 
But the fact is that you got to start that way, right? This is the reality of it. You're not going to have 100000 in the bank as a cushion when you have days that are bad, weeks that are bad, and money hasn't come in yet. And so you start with 1099s, and you pay them when you get paid. You make that clear up front. And then uh, you got to manage their projects, right? So now not only are you developing, now you're a project manager. So how do you stay on top of those projects and be able to make sure that you get them to, to work well? What is the project plan? Establish a project plan with the developer and the client. And going through that process to make sure that everything works out way. You don't blow the budget up front and you don't have issues with the client being upset with the quality of the work. It's not easy. Nobody said it was easy. But it is very rewarding because I'll tell you, when I first started my practice, my kids were in baseball. Now they're all grown up, but I was their baseball coach. I was on the diamond Fridays at 3 in the afternoon. You think if I was a full-time employee, I could do that? I mean, it was hugely rewarding for me. In Friday afternoon, I just say, you know, it's, I'm on the diamond. Otherwise, I might have left early to or early weekend with the wife and get in my convertible. I had a convertible back then. I get into a convertible, <laughs> drive off, my brand new convertible. You know, the fact is it does have its rewards. I'm able to travel more as well. So I have another question I want to ask you, Juan. So we, we talked a lot about how you started and, and how you continue to evolve a little bit. Could you tell us some of your tips for longevity as a consultant, as somebody that has their own business? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to have your hills and valleys, right? And so at some some months, you're making more money than you can dream of. And some months, you're scraping for work and then people are not paying you on time and payroll's due and you got to pay for your car and your mortgage. And, you know, this is not easy if you're the sole provider, too. If you have a marriage, your wife is stay at home, mom, who's paying for the insurance, the medical insurance? And that's that's what people do when they when I give this talk at Sequel Saturdays. They come walk up to me after and says, Juan, I loved what you say, but I'm the sole breadwinner. Where am I going to get the medical insurance? Well, that was before Obamacare. So then now at least you have that option. But the fact is that you're going to have those valleys and you're going to have, you're going to hit rock bottom. And you're going to feel like, you know, I need to become an employee again. Or you're going to feel like you're a failure. And you got to know that we all go through that. No matter how good you are, you're going to go through that valley. And so what you want to do is you want to invest in yourself. And so what I do is I, you know, I look for seminars that pop me up and sales seminars and development seminars. And I, I meet with a group of people, fellow entrepreneurs, at least once a month. And I look for those support groups because I need them. I needed to make it through those valleys. I need people to be able to support me and provide me with insights that maybe I didn't, I didn't uh, have. I remember paying once, I paid $4,000 for a four-day seminar for entrepreneurs. And the number one thing that I got out of that was focus on sales. Because if you're not focusing on sales, that's the engine that's driving your practice. You know, you can't be, uh, If ideally you want to separate yourself from operations. So what I did is I went and hired, I hired a project manager. I promoted Ben to architect. And I told them, look, you guys do operations. I'll focus on sales because that's what I'm good at. And then, you know, I, not that I don't have my own projects. I still develop sometimes. And I still have my own projects. But the fact is that uh, I love the advice. And I started hiring more people. Well, I made it clear to them. These are people who didn't have jobs to begin with. So there was no harm, no foul. Because I hate hiring somebody who has a job. And then it turns out it doesn't work out, right, when I first started. So I said, look, you know, we're going to go some of our rough patches. I'm not going to be able to make payroll on the, this certain certain date. But I know the money eventually will come in. You know, and I sell them on me. And, you know, you can be imagined by now that I'm a good salesman. And he would come on board. <laughs> And for sure enough, there would be some times where payroll would be delayed a few days because we didn't have the cash on hand. 
But now these people are the most loyal people I have because they get it. They've seen the progression of a practice that started with those issues and now over the years has grown into a uh, you know, multi-million dollar practice just on access with SQL Server. Several years ago, my, my son came home. He's in college and he comes home. He says, hey, dad, my friend and the .NET developer, he tells me Access is Mickey Mouse, man, because he knows I'm an Access MVP. I bet that was an Access MVP. I says, well, this Mickey Mouse practice that you're talking about, I have a convertible. I go on vacations. I make six figures. What does he do? Oh, he's he makes like 45000 a year. <laughs> I says, who's the Mickey Mouse now, I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, so look, this has been a blast. I want to leave you with uh, one thing is uh, we I founded a worldwide organization called AccessUserGroups.org. That's AccessUserGroups.org. We meet virtually online. We have chapters in Latin America, Spain, the U.S., lunchtime chapters. Please go there and sign up if you're so inclined to learn more about Access. And if you want to reach with me, I'm at LinkedIn, which is LinkedIn.com slash N slash Juan Soto. You can also reach me on Twitter, JSoto22. Please link with me and follow me on Twitter. I'll follow you back. As well as you can reach out to me through my website, accessexperts.com. We'd like to thank Juan for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can also check us out on Twitter at AFTKpodcast. You can follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or this thing called iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, you could sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to the Way From the Keyboard. Next on the Way From the Keyboard, we have Director of Student Engagements and Community Outreach for Black Tech Week, Mr. Ryan Hall. And promote uh, minority groups to be a part of the dialogue and be a part of the conversation and to be participants in the industry, not only as employees in tech companies, but as founders. Should be fun. You want to come back? Yeah, you might have some fun. You might like this one. All right, now get out of here. I like it, but I like them all. You only like this dude because he went to UM. Dude, what's not to like? What's not to like? All right, all right. It's all, all about right. this you. You're on people. You. You. It's all about the you. That's, it's all about the That sounds you. like that solo boy, that soldier boy you. song. <laughs> you. You. I couldn't understand anything else he says. Something about a super circle. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it's all about uh, off there. <laughs> See ya. want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego!
Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories on how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me in Fort Lauderdale is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What's going on, Cecil? Doing pretty good, and how's everybody else doing? We're doing good. I'm, I'm good, man. I wasn't talking to you, really damn it. Oh, damn. I was talking to the people that are listening to the show. <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we're, we're having a moment right now. We're connected, you know what I'm saying? You feel me, right? I know you can feel me. I feel, you feel this love that's coming in right now. <laughs> Valentine's Day just happened the other day, man. I know there's a lot of love in the room. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> Stop laughing. Let's, let's record the damn episode. <laughs> Dear people, I, I wish to tell you that this didn't happen every week, but it happens every week. <laughs> it has to, man. You gotta, you gotta keep the spice in the relationship. You know what I mean? Oh, I prefer s- just a dinner and a movie, but geez, keep it spicy. Like Jim Carrey, the mass spicy. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, I'll be here. Again. All right, I'm going to yawn. Okay. Welcome 